Please turn the Bible to John chapter 5. We looked at the healing of the man at the pool of Bethesda. And uh, we got to a particular verse that I just said we need to leave it here because what follows is something tremendously important and something that we really, in um, looking at the Gospel of John, one of the reasons that we're looking at this Gospel is to see that Jesus is God. Jesus isn't some good person. Jesus is God. He's not some wonderful religious leader, not some magician. He is God. Do you understand? That's the reason why the Apostle John, you know, we need to see what the Apostle John said right at the beginning so we understand what he is trying to say all the way through the gospel when he said, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Amen? And so we need to understand that everything that he says relates to that. That was his opening statement. He didn't say in the beginning there was this really good guy. And this really good guy really loved God and really listened to God and stuff. No, see, <laughs> okay? You, you know what I'm trying to say? He didn't say any of those things. We think those things. You know, you believe what you want to believe. I'll believe what I want to believe. You better not. You need to believe what God said. Amen. And he says there in the beginning was the word. And he says was the word. Was the word. The word didn't come into being in the beginning. Whenever that was, the word already existed. And the word was with God. The word was God. He was with God and he was God. All the was's. <laughs> okay, you know, we really need to get a hold of that. So we're coming into this place now that everything that John is talking about is about God living among us. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Amen? This eternal Word took on mortality. Amen? And He came down here. Can you imagine the times when the disciples would have been sleeping and realizing we're with God. God's sleeping with us. We're walking with God. We're talking with God. Are you all with me? You know, it was just, and, they, and it wasn't just because of what he said. He did stuff. <laughs> you know? There was God walking on the water. Well, nobody does that. Amen. Who does that? God does. All right, so I really need to get a hold of that as we move forward now. Remember again that this man is healed, and instead of shutting up, <laughs> you know, spineless dude. Anyway, verse 15, what what, as soon as Jesus meets him, Jesus sees him in the temple, and he, you know what, I need to go back to that verse because it's something important there. Uh, verse 14, it says, Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well, sin no more. In other words, he said, The reason that you are sick, the reason for your infirmity was sin. And he says, Do you see you've been made well? Don't sin anymore. Don't do that stuff. Obviously, this guy, I tell you, you know, this one lets you know that all of you will be healed as long as, as, long as you receive it. This wasn't the best person on the planet. Because we're going to see what he's going to do about 
you know, in, in just a moment. And he says, sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. We need to take those words to heart. Be careful what you do with what God gives you. Do you hear me? Don't just, you know, don't take for granted what he does. Don't dismiss what he does. Don't say, well, that was yesterday's miracle. Forget not all of his benefits. Forget not all of the miracles. I'm going to add that. Don't forget what God has done for you as you're moving forward. We are so quick to forget. We are so quick to complain because we forget. We're so quick to make promises while we're in a pro- when we've got a problem. Oh God, if you get me out of this, I'll go to church every week. And I promise this time I'll tithe. Or something, I don't know, and you find something you don't like to do. Oh, I'll do children's church, whatever, okay? <laughs> Which brings me to my notice. No, anyway. <laughs> no, 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 I'm just playing with you a little bit. But the thing is, you know, you make all these promises, and once you're out, hallelujah. And God comes on, and they go, oh, I'm sorry, God, I'm busy now. Now that I'm not in trouble anymore. Are you all here? Don't do stuff like that. Lest the worst thing come upon you. Mm-hmm. Moving on. Verse 15. Boy, this guy. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Do you think for one moment he thought that the Jews were going to go, Wow, Jesus, you're awesome. Can we pay homage to you? As if the attitude they had toward him when they asked him who told you was okay. What, who is this fellow, remember? <laughs> okay. Who is this fellow that said you can pick up your bed and walk? That was the attitude. I wouldn't tell him nothing. But I want you to notice how this, this guy, I tell you, I, I have issues with this man. <laughs> he runs to the Jews, tells them what was wrong, like who it was that, that made him well. Verse 16, for this reason, see, because he didn't shut up. For this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. Now comes verse 17. But Jesus answered them, My father has been working until now, and I have been working. Now this is huge. All right? Therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him. Verse 18 now. Therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him, because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father, making, making himself equal with God. Now, you really need to see that. Okay? Notice what they see from that. I've heard people say, well, Jesus never said he was God. Oh, come on. You never read anything. You know, don't, don't presume to be an expert when you don't study stuff. Mind you, I know preachers don't, don't study. But, you know. Uh, Let me just read this. William MacDonald says this. He says, this verse is very important. It tells us that the Jews became more determined than ever to kill the Lord Jesus. To their narrow minds, it seemed that that the Lord had broken the Sabbath. They did not realize that God never intended the Sabbath to impose a hardship on man. If a man could be cured of a disease on the Sabbath, God would not require that he he should suffer one day longer. When Jesus spoke of God as his father, they realized that he was, listen, they realized that he was claiming to be equal with God. To them, this was terrible blasphemy, 
actually it was only the truth. Did you hear me? See, had they been mistaken for what they thought, Jesus would have corrected them. He never corrects them. Do you hear what I'm saying? You see, when people say, well, Jesus never claimed to be God, well, why did they kill him then? As he, as he put it, what good work are you killing me for? You know what they said? It wasn't for the work, it's for what you said. What did he say? He's equal with God. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. They realized what he was saying. They didn't receive what he was saying, but they realized what he was saying. You're with me? They knew that he was claiming to be God. Because he is God. And there lies the problem. You know, so many people want the kingdom without the king. They want Jesus to come and take over and give them an easy life, but they don't want to serve him. Feed us, heal us, and go away. <laughs> Amen. Let's keep going. All right. Verse 19. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, every time Jesus says most assuredly, he's saying you're not going to believe this. <laughs> okay? He says, most assuredly I say, I say to you, in the literal text he says, I'm telling you the truth. You must hear and accept what I have to say. The son can do nothing of himself. Now, what he's about to say is incredible. He says, but what he sees the father do. For whatever he, that is the father, does, the son also does in like manner. Now, you may not catch on to what he just said, but the Jews sure caught on. So let me let you in on what they're hearing. Because we all read this and go, mm-hmm, whatever. Them fancy words. Do you know what they heard? And this is what he said. They heard what he said. First of all, what Jesus does. Remember they, they were saying that he was breaking the law? Okay. That, and when they, say, when they spoke about the law, they're talking about God's law and therefore going against God. Do you understand? that? That's what they mean. When it was never God's law. It was their law that they said God wanted. That's still happening today in the churches. A lot of churches put up laws and rules saying it's God. It's not God. It's you. It's your narrow, bad interpretation of the word. I'm, and it amazes me how people build doctrines on the English translation. I mean, it's incredible what they do. Do you know this is not the word of God? <gasps> Blasphemy. No, they want to kill me. This is the translation, dude. Do you all understand? This is a translation of the word. And some stuff got translated badly. You know, I, <laughs> I heard a translation. This will tickle you, I hope. I heard a translation of a verse, one of my favorite verses in another language. Right? And so they, they repeated it back to me 
in English from what they read their translation meant. And I couldn't understand what they said. Well, get this, this is one of my favorite verses. I sort of said, what, where's that? And they, they referred the verse. And I said, no, that isn't what it, that's not what it says. And they insisted, no, no, that's what it says. They're building doctrines on what they believe the word, verse says in their translation. And they were adamant about what it said. Now I checked up on the Greek and the Hebrew and it didn't say that either. But isn't it, no, no, isn't it interesting that for me, that I knew something wasn't right when I heard it. How many things do you think we're saying that aren't right when God hears it? And we're building doctrines and we're setting up cathedrals. <laughs> based on these so-called truths that God said, I didn't say any of that stuff. Amen. And that's what's going on right now. And then we try to defend all of that stuff. And then we get very upset when people start doing anything other than what we believe the Bible says in our translation. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sharing something very powerful with you and I hope you get a hold of this because there are so many things in the Bible that seemingly contradict each other and the Bible never contradicts itself if there's a contradiction it means we translated something wrong we got something wrong and we need to go back and check it out and we should make excuses for our, you know, to say, well, you know, that's how God does. Sometimes God does this and sometimes God does that. God is not here and there all over the place like you are. <laughs> okay? I mean, he's a straight line. As dad used to say, straight line like this or straight like this? He's straight like this. Our translations are straight like this. Amen. We really need to be careful about this, family. That's why I do so much study. Okay. Because somebody said, well, what's the point of the five-fold ministry? I can read my Bible. <laughs> yeah, that's the reason. Okay. Yeah. Okay, back to this. So in response to Jewish hostility at the implication of his assertions of equality with God, Jesus became even more fearless Forceful and emphatic, Jesus essentially tied his activities of healing on the Sabbath directly to the Father. William MacDonald writes, he says, The Lord Jesus clearly intended the Jews to think of him as equal with God. It would be absurd for a mere man to claim to do the very things which God himself does. Did you get that? How can a man do something that only God does? He says, I don't do anything but what I see my father doing, which means he has to be equal with God to do what he sees God doing. Come on, get this. Do you see this? Nobody has ever claimed that or done that. They can be prophets of God and all, but this one said, what, he, what I see him doing, I will do. Do you know why? Because I am God. Only God can do what God is doing. 
Get it? That's why this is so important. That's why I said this was too important to just kind of do it at the five minutes at the end. Okay. What's of greatest importance, again, so let me say this now. In all this is that Jesus is implying that the only one who could do what the Father does must be as great as the Father. Get this. Amen? The only one who can do what the Father does must be as great as the Father. Otherwise, he couldn't do those things. He would say, well, the Father can do this, but I can't. You know, it's the Father. I'm just a lesser one. You're with me? Please get this. Let's move on. Verse 20. <laughs> for the Father loves the Son. Watch now, here, here it comes. He says, for the Father loves the Son. In fact, the literal text says, the Father never ceases to love the Son. All right? And shows or continually shows him all things that he, the Father, himself does. Isn't this something that Jesus says God is continually, the Father is continually showing him what he's doing. It's not an on and off thing. I had a vision 20 years ago. No, <laughs> every day, every moment of every day, he's seeing the Father. He's seeing what the Father wants done. I think this is incredible. That's why I say, to, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, because everything I see him doing, I'm doing. What else is there? If it was right here, this is what he would be doing. And guess what? He's right here. And this is what he's doing. Get it? Okay, okay. All right, and he says, uh, let me read again. He says, for the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he, the Father himself, does. And he, the Father, will show him, the Son, greater works than these that you may marvel. Okay, he's saying, you think you've seen something, there's even greater things coming. He's going to raise the dead and do all sorts of other things, walk on water and all, okay? So <clears throat> William MacDonald puts it this way. Well, actually, let me go back. In other words, it is because of the love the Father has for the Son that the Father shows the Son all things that He does. So this is something else that's really important. He is establishing a connection between Him and the Father. He's saying because the Father loves the Son. Because the Father loves the Son. Why is He saying this? Because if you touch the Son, you are touching what God loves. You are plotting to kill someone, murder someone that God loves. Be careful. Amen? You mess with this, and you're messing with the Father's heart. You don't want to do that. Because things will come down on you like you can't imagine. You all think Old Testament stuff was bad. Wait, for, wait, see what's coming next. Hallelujah. I shall continue to preach now. Okay, <laughs> moving on, moving on. All right, uh, where was I? So, yeah, okay. Bill McDonald says this. He says, it's a special mark of the father's love for his son that he shows him all things that he himself does. These things Jesus not only saw, he had the power to perform them as well. See, he didn't just see, he did. And he had the power to do them. Uh, he, he continues, the Savior went on to say, 
that God would show him greater works than these so that these people might marvel. The first such marvel would be the powerful work of raising the dead. The second was the work of judging all of mankind. Let's continue. In short, Jesus would do what no other religious leader in history of mankind has ever done, and that is raise the dead. And what's more, it is also he and not the Father who is going to judge every religious leader mankind has ever known. So verse 21, okay. It says, for the Father raises the dead and gives life to them. Even so, the Son gives life to whom he will. Isn't this interesting? He says, just the way the Father will raise whoever wants, he says, so can the Son. Again, the equality is coming in. Are you seeing this? I do what I see him doing. He shows me everything that he does, and whatever he can do, I can do. <laughs> to me, it's very clear. Jesus is saying that he's God. Verse 22, for the Father judges no one, watch, watch, <laughs> but he committed all judgment to the Son. You really need to see the word all. He didn't say, oh, the Father is going to keep a few things to himself. Doesn't want me touching those things. He said, the Father is giving me the right to judge everything. Do you know why he's saying it this way? Because they have such a high regard for the Father. See, do I want to go? Let, let me go there for just a minute, okay? You need to understand this whole hierarchical thing. And there's so much in the Gospels and the, the epistles and so on that talk about this hierarchy, all right? But you need to understand something that the hierarchy is spoken of because that's how we think. We kind of need to know who's the boss. We're always asking. So the, the, the Bible always sort of answers that question by saying, okay, the Father does this and the Father will give that person, you know, this and that and everything else. Because that's how we think. We, you know, we don't, we don't think Father, we really think God. You all know what I'm trying to say? I do the same thing. You know, and then I have to catch myself. Because I'm, when I say God and then he's speaking to the Son, I'm thinking, wait a minute, it's God the Father speaking to God the Son. They're both God. Okay, but I need you to understand even more steeped in that are the Jewish minds and their way of thinking. It's all about the Father. It's all about God to them, the one God. And so he's saying that one God, that God that you look at, the God that you esteem so highly, the God that you see as, you know, the one is giving me all this power. In reality... In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word has always been God. There was not, you know, God that said, now you can do these things and you can be those things, so to speak. That's always been there. If you're God, you're God. Can I get an amen on that? You know, I mean, what, what more can you say? If you're God, you're God. Let me read this. This was a new thought to the Jews who fervently believed that the Father was the judge of all humanity. And so the last thing they ever expected was to have to stand before the Son on the last day and be judged by Him. This is blasphemy. This is just ridiculous to them. Do you know why? Because they still don't get it. 
even to this day, they just have the thought, God is one. Yes, made up of three beings that exist in the same space at the same time. I don't know how that works. Well, you should. You're spirit, soul, and body. And sometimes all three of you want to do three different things. But you're all stuck in the one place. How do you know that? Well, the spirit is being willing, but the body is going all over the place. <laughs> God, we have so many sayings. You know, wake up. God is three. We are three. We are all in one. There are no three Andrews. There's no three Vandanas. Me, I look like, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> Almost two. <No. laughs> are you all with me? See, there is this oneness. They, they won't accept it when they themselves are walking testimonies of it. Mm. Moving on. That being the case, William MacDonald then points out, in order for the Lord Jesus to do his work of judgment, he must, of course, have absolute, listen, absolute knowledge and perfect righteousness. He'd have to know everything. And he would have to be perfectly righteous in his judgment. Otherwise, God would say, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute, son. You're getting a little upset over this. You just step back. Let me just do this. Because your judgment isn't righteous anymore. You're emotionally compromised. No, 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 no. Because he is God. Amen? He must be able to discern the thoughts and motives of men's hearts. Including the women, how strange it was that the judge of all the earth should stand before these Jews, asserting his authority, and yet they did not recognize him. Wow. Again, he says, For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son, that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Did you hear those words? That all should honor the Son just as they honored the Father. Does it sound like he is saying that he is God? Oh, come on. How can you honor the Son just like the Father unless the Son is God? We shall only worship the Lord your God. Him only shall you worship. Amen? So this verse gives us a reason why the Father delegated all judgment to the Son. It is so that everyone will honor the Son in the same way that they honor the Father. Verse 23 goes on to say, He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. This is, this is huge. He's saying if you decide not to honor the Son, then you are deciding not to honor the person who sent the Son to begin with. In rejecting the Son, you are rejecting God. Do you get this now? See, this is what was so important. This is why I said that you really need to get a hold of this. Because if you reject Jesus and say, I want to go another way to the Father. Guess what? In rejecting Him, you have rejected the Father. How can you get to Him now? There's no, that's why He says, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me because if you reject me, you are automatically rejecting him. 
So you want to go another way and now you have gone against the father straight away. The father has, in his love, said, here is my love gift. And you said, no, thank you. I want to, go. I want to do it some other way. Woo! <laughs> you want to say that, let me step away. There's going to be a black spot on the ground in a minute. You will never be heard of again, you and your opinions. They come, they go. God's still there. They make a big racket and end up in hell. Anyway, I've said here the statement is of crucial importance. William McDonald says that this statement is one of the clearest proofs in the Bible of the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Many people claim to worship God but deny that Jesus Christ is God. And according to this verse, it is useless to claim a love for God if one does not have the same love, the same love for the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you hear that? Not just to accept him, receive him, but love him. You don't love him, you don't love God. Oh, I don't want that Jesus, but I love God. Well, no, 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 you can't do that. You can't do that. You don't love Jesus, you don't love God. It just comes down to that. That's what he's saying. You, either you love the person that sent me, loving me is loving that person, or you reject the person that sent me, rejecting me is rejecting him. You can't yes one and no the other or no one and yes the other. Amen? Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> By saying this, Jesus literally turned the tables on the Jewish leaders' accusations against him of blasphemy. By saying that the only way to honor the Father was to honor the Son who was sent by him. And as John MacArthur points out, therefore the Jews were the ones who actually blasphemed the father by rejecting his son. Ooh, I like that. Do you see now what's happening? He's saying, you're saying, I'm blaspheming. By what you are doing, you're blaspheming. Ooh, let's all go crucify you now, shall we? No. <laughs> don't, don't have that many crosses. There's a lot. Anyway, moving on. All right. <laughs> uh, it, uh, verse 24, Jesus now combines what he said in verses 21 and 22 regarding life and judgment. And he shows us how the two are connected by going on to say that most assuredly I say to you. See, again, one of those statements, the most assuredly. Okay. He says, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life. And shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. Now we, this is a massive, how much, how much time have I? Oh, we're there. Can we pick up here next week? Uh, th this is a big statement. Let me just clue you in a little bit. This verse is telling us that if you believe in Jesus Christ, judgment will never come your way. For you, judgment is over. While everybody else is, is scared about judgment, 
It's finished for you. You passed the test. You're through. You got 100%. Hallelujah. All, that le- all that's left is eternal life. Praise the Lord. Now, whether you're good, or good and faithful or not, that's a whole other thing. But you're through. You really need to get a hold of what he just said. And that's why I want to come back to this next week. Because a lot of people are still worried about judgment. I need you to take this verse to heart. He who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life. No ifs, no ands, no buts. And shall not, shall not, shall not come into judgment. Did you hear that? He says, but has passed from death into life. Wow. Now that's why I really love the Apostle Paul when he uses the term carnal Christians. Dear God, some of them, I tell you, you really question whether they're saved. But they're carnal. Some of them, uh, can I just say this as well? Some people pretend to be Christians. Hmm? They ain't saved. They pretend. They work the work. It's, you know, one of those things. Shakers and movers. But there's nothing in them. They're professionals. <laughs> there's a difference. You can't be a professional in the kingdom. You can only be a son or a daughter. Professionals, Jesus goes, who are you? I never knew you. Oh, but I'm the CEO of this church. <laughs> Depart from me. I won't say what I want to say. Okay. Are you all here? See, that's what a lot of people don't get. Some people are hustling the gospel. They think, well, you know, I can do this. I can speak, the, you know, say all the right things and, you know, do some things. And, you know, the devil will accommodate you if you're doing his work. Lying signs and wonders, they're called. They're signs and wonders, but they're lying. And you can look to everybody like you're the big cheese. You're the little I am. No, not the great I am. Okay. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? <laughs> and all that stuff. But you get to God and he goes, I don't know you. And all your congregation members, all the congregation members go, we know him. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know him. Y'all have been taken for a ride. I wonder how many are going to end up there. Anyway, I'm digressing. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's, let's just finish this. Father, we just thank you today for your word. And we thank you, Father. We thank you for sending your son. Jesus, we thank you for coming. This was your creation that you came to redeem. And we thank you that you had a heart to dwell among us, to love us, to show us what we were meant to be like said that not only would we do these works, but greater works would we do because you were going to go to the Father, give us a better covenant built on better promises. We thank you for all of that.
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah.